on how the question is phrased, but you've probably heard somebody say before, what are you doing here? And sometimes that's a legitimate question, and sometimes it's just a question out of surprise, like, what are you doing here? I, I didn't expect you to be here. Several weeks ago, I was up at the core uh, trying to do a little bit of, of working out, and, and usually if you're here on a Sunday, you see me, I have on my, my khaki pants and I have on a collared shirt. Believe it or not, if I try to work out, I usually don't khakis or a collared shirt and so when one of the members saw me their question was what are you doing here it was I, it was as if I didn't belong there it's like you I, I know where you should be you belong in khakis in an auditorium on Sunday morning but but not here and please cover your legs do something with those little toothpicks you know and sometimes we feel like we just don't belong but I want you to know this morning that you belong here and maybe you are really legitimately legitimately wrestling with the question of why am I here maybe you're here for the singing maybe you just love the music and the opportunity to lift up God uh, in in song and and join in with other people and maybe that's what brought you here maybe Maybe you're here because you love the preaching. Maybe, maybe besides all the guest preachers and the fill-ins and the senior Sundays, maybe I'm the best preacher that this church has had in a decade. Do, do the math. I'm, I'm, I'm one out of one. That puts me in first and last all at the same time. Hey, maybe you're here because your mom made you. And you're, and you're saying, yeah, I know, I'm 38 years old and my mom made me come to church this morning with her. You know, happy Mother's Day, right? Maybe maybe you're here because your, your mom made you. Maybe you're here because I have it. Maybe it's, it's what you do. And that's, that's not a bad thing, but, but maybe something, you know, it's Sunday morning, we get up and, and we go to church. Maybe, maybe you're here to remember. Maybe you're here to remember a God and the love that he has for you, maybe you're here to worship. Maybe you have chosen, you said, this morning is an opportunity to bend my knee and to lift up my voice to God Almighty. And so I just want to know what brings you here. And I guess the second question is, what expectations do you have? Are you here to fill others up or are you here to be filled up? Are you here to worship God? Maybe you want to acknowledge the greatness of God by just flinging your arms in the air. I know this makes some of you wildly uncomfortable. Maybe you want to acknowledge the greatness of God by bowing your head in reverence to Him. When you walk in here, you feel honored to be a part of this family, or maybe when you walk into this room, you think, man, these people are lucky to have me here. I guess the question for me is, what do you want? What do you need? What, what do you hope to hear on Mother's Day? I mean, it's got to go beyond Happy Mother's Day. There's got to be some message that really resonates, that, that, that allows you to, to, to relate to who God is and the love that He has for you. And so I just think that maybe, maybe we should talk about Eve. 
I mean, she is the first mother, the mother of all. She, she understood what it meant when God said, you know, there will be pain and childbearing. Maybe we could talk about Eve and we could talk about the joy that she felt as the first woman ever to hold her baby and to look at him with just joy and delight. We could talk about Eve as she birthed her son Cain, the joy that she felt. Or maybe we can talk about the grief as she buried her son Abel. Maybe, maybe we should talk about Hannah. Hannah's that's a really good person to talk about on Mother's Day. A woman who so desperately wanted to have a child and she was heckled by her husband's other wife and she was just she wouldn't eat and she ends up in the temple and she's wailing and crying and pleading to God. And the priest sees her and he looks at her and he says, Lady, you gotta stop drinking. Get out of this place. You're drunk. And and he's and she says, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I'm so heartbroken and I'm in prayer to God. We could talk about Hannah and not only her desire to have a child, but then the willingness that she would give that child back to be raised in the service of the Lord. Or how about Sarah? We could talk about Sarah we could talk about how, how Sarah longed for the promise of God for 25 years. A quarter of a century in which God tapped on her and said, well, to her husband, you're going to be the father of many nations. And she probably assumed she was going to be a part of that, although not fully, because she's going to do some crazy things in a few years. But she has this 25-year wait. She didn't get tapped on when she was 15 and said, hey, by 40, you're going to have a child. She didn't get tapped on when she was 35 and said, oh, you'll have a child when you're 60. No, no, she gets the message. At how old? 65. You're going to have a baby. <laughs> have you seen me? Do you, do you understand how this thing works? At 65, she gets this promise, and not until she's 90 years old. And so I guess we could talk about how she was faithful and and, and, and most of the time believed that God was going to allow that to happen, although there was the whole Hagar-Ishmael incident. But, but maybe she would be a good one to talk about. Maybe we could talk about Rahab. And Wait, never mind. It's Mother's Day. Who in their right mind would preach about Rahab on Mother's Day? I mean, why would we want to talk about an innkeeper who was living among the enemies? That is a terrible sermon for Mother's Day. No one would ever, ever do that. And for those of you who were here last Mother's Day, Lance preached about Rahab. Still give him a hard time about that. Great sermon, and I love that he chose to do it on, on a Mother's Day because it lets me off the hook. I can preach about anything if he can preach about Rahab on Mother's Day. Maybe, I suppose we could talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, her willingness 
at such a, a young age to basically throw away everything, every hope and desire that she would have for raising a family. Instead, she basically would birth an illegitimate child because she's pregnant before she was even married. Maybe we could talk about the fact that she would not only be blessed by the one who would reveal the hearts of many, but also the fact that her own soul would be pierced through being the mother of the Son of God. I guess we could spend time imagining her fear as she quickly walked back with her husband Joseph to the temple looking for young Jesus after they had lost him and not realized it for several days. I guess we could spend some time talking about the delight as she tasted the really good wine at that wedding feast that a few minutes earlier was just a bunch of water. Maybe if we wanted to talk about Mary, we could talk about the confusion that she felt as her son Jesus prophesied about this upside-down kingdom that wasn't of this world. And the fact that it was his kingdom because he was the king, but as the king, he would not rule over the people, but that he would die for them. Maybe we could talk about that. Maybe we could talk about the anxiety that she felt when she learned that he had been arrested and that there was a trial going on late into the night and that was never going to be a good thing. That she heard the reports back and forth of Jesus, her son, going from Pilate to Herod, back to Pilate, the screaming mob, the washing of hands, and the impending death. Maybe we could talk about Mary and the devastating pain she felt as she watched her son being brutally executed, although he had done nothing wrong. Maybe we could talk about Mary and her desperation as she searched for his missing body in the cemetery. Where is he? We just want him back. The other ladies felt as well. Maybe, maybe we could talk about Mary and the joy as she saw her son alive after he was dead. Can you imagine that scene of her worst nightmare? turning in to the most amazing, unimaginable, unimaginable idea ever. Maybe we could talk about Mary and her longing as she watched Jesus, her son, ascend into heaven. And thinking about all the times that they spent together and how she looked forward to all the other times that they would spend in eternity. I guess we could talk about Eve and Hannah and Sarah and Rahab and, and Mary, but 
I think what I really want to talk about this morning is Gomer. <laughs> oh, Gomer. That's just a lovely name for a woman. <laughs> I mean, Gomer is used several times throughout the Bible, usually as a male name, but you know, this one, Gomer, is going to be a, a woman. And if Gomer isn't enough, she's going to be the mother of Jezreel and Lo-Romaha. Just by the way, I mean, we're not going to dig deep into the Hebrew of it, but, but we do know that uh, Lo-Romaha is a name that means not loved. That's a little weird, right? I mean, there's sometimes you feel, you know, I know, I know what's going to happen here. This is the, I'm, I'm speaking specifically to all the middle children in here, okay? If you're a middle child, you think that's your name, okay? I'm, I'm the youngest of three. That means I'm the baby. It means I'm the best, right? They save the best for life. But I've got an, a next older brother, Kevin. He was the middle brother. He's convinced that, like, he was just mistreated and neglected because he was the middle child. And if he was, it was because he deserved it, right? But what kind of sick woman would allow her child to be named not loved? You think that's the only thing that we have against Gomer? Well, if you don't know or remember the story of Gomer, it takes place in the book of Hosea. Hosea is a, a chapter, it's, it's 14, uh, is a book, it's 14 chapters long. The last 10 of them are really all going to be about God speaking to his people, the judgment he has on them for what they have done, the punishment that's going to occur, and then the fact that he's going to call them back. But in these first four chapters, three of the first four are really going to talk about Hosea and Gomer and, and Hosea is a prophet he's called by God and God says I want you to know I am heartbroken by the way my my people this nation has been treating me and it it just tears me to pieces that God is not just simply looking down on his people who are sinful and say shame shame on you you're terrible people what he really says is what you're doing is drawing my people who I dearly love away from me and you're chasing other things and so he goes to Hosea and he says Hosea I want you to find an unfaithful woman and I just want to say this for the millionth time for those of you who continually pray, God, please speak to me. Please tell me what to do. I'm just going to beg you, think twice before you say that prayer. Because it seems like every time God calls, comes to people and he calls them, he tells them to do crazy things. Abraham, I want you to leave your family and I want you to go somewhere. Where are we going, God? I'll tell you when you get there. Taps on Moses. Moses, I got this cool trick. I've got this bush. It's going to be on fire. It's not going to burn up. That's awesome. Now I want you to go and I want you to take two million insolent, complaining people and I want you to drag them out of Egypt and put them in the desert. What are we going to do in the desert? I think we'll probably just wander around for about 40 years. And God comes to Hosea and says, Hosea, I want you to find an unfaithful woman. How does, that, how does that work out? Does anybody know? 
I mean, where do you start with that? Like, how does the dating process go? Like, you're sitting down on a date with someone, and you you start to talk to them, and, and you start asking them questions, and you start to learn that, that they're loyal and, and they're faithful and they're kind and they're forgiving and they're dedicated. And you're like, check please. <laughs> Sorry, you're not really what I'm looking for. You're not marriage material. I need somebody a little less faithful. I mean, how does that go? I mean, he finds Gomer. Okay, what's the chance that you might leave me after we've had a couple kids. Is, is that highly likely? Very likely? But he does it. We don't know exactly what the process looks like, but Hosea goes out, he finds a woman who happens to be named Gomer. They have a couple of kids. Jezreel and Lo-Ramaha. And guess what happens? Not love. Gomer, she leaves. She leaves her husband, she leaves her children, and she goes to chase after other lovers. That's Hosea's, the, the book is pretty clear about that. You know, we get Rahab like, well, she could be an innkeeper. There's no doubt what's going on with Gomer. She leaves her husband. And if, if the story is not crazy enough, God says, okay, I want you to remember what this really is all about. This isn't just about the pain and the suffering and the humiliation of someone you loving leaving you. It's about the fact that you still love them despite the decisions that they make and the the fact that they don't love you. It's really heartbreaking. And God says, Hosea, I want you to go get Gomer back. Though she is loved by another man and she is an adulteress. <laughs> wow, this is just a great Mother's Day sermon, isn't it? That you are thinking, I hope we talk about Gomer and being an, adul- an adulterer. This is perfect. This is, I mean, you know, after Rahab, we're just going to just keep on going. What are we going to do next year? Well, right now we've got to figure out what to do with Gomer. But apparently, Hosea knows what to do. He, he gathers up six ounces of silver and 430 pounds of grain that's about a homer's worth and they head to the market so he can buy back the wife that left him okay i want to say that one more time he gathers up silver and grain so he can buy back the woman that left him and his children what do you think about that it's it's crazy it's silly it's stupid i wouldn't recommend that i mean shouldn't he go see a counselor shouldn't somebody talk him out of this hosea that's a terrible idea it's gomer okay she left you she doesn't want you she's with another man she left you and your children. You're, ra- you're the single dad raising those boys. You know how hard it is for not love to go to school? He's not just named that. He 
feels that. Gomer did that. At the very least, it's unjust. I mean, Gomer does not deserve a guy like Hosea. This really isn't about Hosea and Gomer. This is really about a God who loves his people who are unfaithful. And we can point our fingers at the Israelites and we can say, man, they were super unfaithful. But it's not about the Israelites. Guys, I don't want to be offensive. But I just want you to know, you're Gomer. I'm Gomer. The one who is deeply and dearly loved by God. God chose to be in relationship with us, but we have fallen away. We have left to be adulterers. We're lured away by money, by leisure, by the busyness. And instead of choosing to love and honor the one that chose us, we leave. And this is not a story about how terrible we are. This is a story about how great God is. Because it's not that we leave and Hosea says, too bad for you. We're the Gomer that God goes after. We're here this morning because we have been redeemed. We have been saved. We have been bought back. That we have a God who paid for us in our adultery, in our sin, in our brokenness. God looks at us and says, I love you for who you are, not what you've done. And while I want this morning to honor those who have been dedicated like Sarah and who have sacrificed like Hannah and that we can be just like Mary who was willing to love and follow and care for Jesus. But the fact is that there's some of us in here who we feel a little bit more like the Gomer. And maybe we sit here and maybe we feel like maybe we just don't quite belong. What are you doing here? Do you really belong in here? You see, the the truth is, is that you all have been paid for. You have been bought, not with silver and grain, but with the very blood of Jesus. God says, I'm going after you because I love you. That's what he says to Derek. God sees Derek and he says, I love you. Derek, my child, the one who I made, I created. 
He doesn't have to make the list of all the things that Derek has done wrong. Here's what he knows. He knows that God loves him so much that he says, I'm going to go pull him out of his life of brokenness and I'm going to bring him back. Sarah, in all your great wisdom and all the encouragement that you offer to people, you are God's chosen daughter. And he gave you wisdom and humor and unfortunately a desire to love some college teams that no one should ever love. I will not say, no, we're not going with the Longhorn. I just can't, I can't do it here. But he redeemed you. He said, despite the fact that you have imperfections and brokenness, he says, I really, really, really love you. And I really want you. We could go around this room. I want everyone to know that you're here not because the good that you do. You're loved not because of your the, the past goodness or your church attendance or the way that you treat other people. But that God has redeemed you because He loves you. And so to our mothers and to our fathers, to our children and our grandparents, to those who have borne children and to those who never have, to those who have stepped up as a mother, whether that be biologically or spiritually, we want you to know that you are one called by God, redeemed by God, and saved by Him. And so in just a minute, we're going to sing a song of invitation. It's a song of celebration. It is a reminder to all of us that we have been redeemed by God, called by Him, saved by Him, and we are loved by Him. You are no longer not loved. But God has called you. And I want you to join me as we stand and sing the song this morning.